today in the Philippines is the day of prayer and awareness against human trafficking, usually referred to as modern-day slavery. The guide to the liturgy, the Ordo, says that we include intentions for those who are victims of human trafficking in the prayer of the faithful. And that's all it says. So we're going to pray for the victims of human trafficking in this Mass. But if you look a little deeper into this, you might note that the International Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking is on February 8th, Feast of St. Josephine Bakhita. Why it's moved to Sunday in the Philippines, I don't know. But the... The church's concern for human trafficking has been growing and growing because the problem is growing and growing. If you look at the little note in the Anubam Way on, on uh, February 8, it says here, human trafficking is modern-day slavery, a global crime that trades and exploits persons for profit. Every year, millions of people of all ages and backgrounds become victims of exploitation, sexually, for forced labor, for the sale of their organs, or forced into begging or illegal activities. Human trafficking is now the second most profitable criminal activity in the United States. I don't know what the first is, probably drugs. Drugs. It is everyone's responsibility to create a greater awareness of this terrible worldwide epidemic and actively counteract it Today we reflect on the experiences of those whose human dignity has been violated and we pray for their freedom and healing. Pope Francis has said, human trafficking is an open wound on the body of contemporary society, a scourge upon the body of Christ. It is a crime against humanity. Now that's not a very nice way to start a mass, <laughs> but that's what this is. And this is the church's very uh, deliberate look at a very ugly dimension of, of human society, of contemporary society. And it's, it, it, it says day of prayer and awareness. It, maybe we should start with awareness because I, I think it's hard to pray about something that we don't have much knowledge of. And human trafficking typically takes place in hidden forms. I mean, we all know, we all know cases of it. I'm sure we all do. People who went to the Middle East, for work and found themselves trapped there, or uh, we know people who, because of poverty, have, have uh, you could say, sold their children or at least released their children into the hands of evildoers, not necessarily knowing what would happen, but you know what happens. And so we all, we all know personal experiences of this, but it's very hard to get a grasp of the scope of it because the big-time human trafficking is... Is, uh, is under the under the radar. So every once in a while, you hear about a, a container full of people that they all died. You, this is in the news in, in Europe and the states. You don't have to go very far though to look for human trafficking. It's right here in the Philippines. It's right here in Las Vegas. So awareness first, and then prayer. Not only prayer for the victims, but prayer for justice and this and the uh, and the capturing of the people who do this. But Part of what makes this so difficult is that it's hard to imagine that there are so many people who are this wicked, who cause this much suffering, who are willing to do anything to others for their own profit. 
use them, sell them, exploit them, overwork them, even kill them for money. But that is the condition that we're in. That's the human condition. Now, I, I, I bring this before our eyes, not because it's something we want to see, but because the church is asking us to pray about this. But it's also in the scriptures, this whole idea of slavery. In the first reading, Job describes the human condition as a condition of slavery. Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shave. He even says he's a slave. We are all slaves, according to Job. And Job is reflecting on his own experience, of course. He's not a slave in the modern sense. He's just reduced to, to misery and poverty. I mean, he's not being forced into anything. He just can't. He just has no choice. But he, he associates his suffering with that of slaves. Part of the difficulty here is that the biblical languages don't distinguish between slaves and servants. It's the same word, and you have to kind of tell by the context. In fact, slaves or servants in those days were, were basically slaves, or indentured servants were like slaves, and slaves were sometimes more like servants. But in, in modern English, anyway, those are two completely different things, slaves and servants. Because servants are free, and they can leave if they want to. But we all know that people who are who work as servants or, or domestic helpers are very often enslaved by their own employers. Okay, so Job identifies himself as a slave, but then in the second reading, Paul identifies himself as a slave, but in a completely different way. He says, although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a slave to all. Same word, slave. So as to win over as many as possible. So... Job is talking about a, a forced condition, a miserable, depressing condition. I have no hope of getting out of this condition. And Paul says, I'm entering into this condition. It can't be the same if you do it, on, if you do it deliberately. But what changed between Job and Paul? The arrival of Jesus Christ. And, and, and Jesus, who is also not in this gospel, but in the, in the New Testament, is described as a slave. Remember Philippians chapter 2. He emptied himself. Although he was in the form of God, he was equal to the Father, he emptied himself. He took on the form of a slave. He became a slave. All the way to the point of death, death on a cross. Or you could say he became a servant some, some biblical translations say he became a servant because the Old Testament is the servant of God, the Ebed Yahweh, the, the servant who, who takes the suffering of the world on himself. Okay, so here we are talking about slavery, and we start with its terrible, unspeakably terrible reality. The world would say, okay, let's... Either let's not think about that, or if we have to think about it, let's fight it. Let's identify the victims and save them. Let's identify the abusers, the, the traffickers, and bring them to justice. Yes. But the world would say, don't get all religious on me. Don't say that there's some kind of connection between Jesus 2,000 years ago and what's going on 
in the sweatshops and the sex industry. Don't, 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 try to, don't try to explain to me that there's some kind of religious connection because obviously there's not. You know, Jesus, maybe he was a good guy and he said a lot of good things. Maybe he's even a her- heroic figure from the past, but what does he have to do with this modern epidemic? That, that's the world's way of thinking. It, it, what, what happens when people think that way, though, is that they either have to trivialize the problem, say, okay, here's something we can handle, we can get our act together and arrest bad guys and save the victims, or we have to say this problem is so big that it, it's impossible and we either have to avoid looking at it or we just sink into depression because it's, it's impossible. So it, if either the problem is really small, small enough for us to do something about it, or it's so big we can't do anything about it. There's no sense of the, the Christian approach, which is this problem has already been taken on by God. In fact, the reason why they can't accept a religious approach is because they trivialize Jesus Christ. They say he's just a guy who, who did a lot of good things a long time ago. They don't recognize he is God himself who has entered right in to the enslaved condition of man who has taken head on the very ugliness of these kind of problems and and overturned the whole mess. He he undermined human trafficking and and poverty and war and, and, and suffering. He undermined it. He took it on and like he took it from the roots and turned it upside down. He took on suffering to such a degree that he made it into a means for our salvation. That's why we Christians, we Catholics especially, put before our eyes every single day and at every single Mass a crucifix. A man who was chained, you could say enslaved, a man who was, was reduced to the lowest possible condition, the worst possible suffering. And that man is God. Well, we see a, an initial glimpse of Jesus taking on the problem in today's gospel. This is very early in his public ministry. This is Mark chapter 1. So the very beginning of the gospel, what does Jesus do? He, he goes to Simon's house, and Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. He goes to her, grasps her by the hand, and raises her up. She's in a, she's in a terrible condition. It's, it's obvious that she's in a terrible condition because she's, she would want to be the hostess of the, of the guests. And you know the, the sense of hospitality is very, very strong in Middle Eastern cultures as it is in the Philippines. And you don't receive a guest without hosting. And here she is lying in bed. So she's not just feeling bad with a headache. I mean, she's really sick. She can't get up. And Jesus, because the apostles tell her, tell him about her, he goes straight to her, raises her up. It says, then the fever left her and she waited on them. It's a little detail, but it's a beautiful one. She's, she's transferred from the condition of slavery to the condition of voluntary slavery. She puts herself at the service of the guests. And that's the whole, I mean, it's a little microcosm of the whole story. Jesus enters into the, the house of the sick or the possessed or the, or, or the enslaved, enslaved by sin or enslaved by fear. And he raises us up and then 
if we're going to get the benefit of it, we put ourselves at the service of others. That's, what, that's, where, that's where Paul comes in here in the second reading. Paul says, I've got this gift. I've got this gift of the gospel. I'm, I'm, it's, not a, it's not a boast, but I have this thing, and I, I'm, I'm obliged to share it. I'm obliged to, to make this known. Otherwise, I'll be, woe is me. <laughs> woe is me. I, I, if I don't preach the gospel, I'm, I'm just making myself, I'm making myself suffer. And so then he says, how am I going to preach the gospel? Well, I'm going to make myself the slave of all. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself at the service of everyone. To the weak, I became weak so as to win over the weak. I have become all things to all to save at least some. I, I'm, I have been saved. I've been set free. So I'm going to use my freedom to share that freedom with others. I'm going to make myself a slave for the freedom of others. Where does he get an idea like that? From Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's where this uh, liturgy takes us. Uh, it's, it's, yes, it's important, the awareness and prayer for against uh, human trafficking. But we only can do this if we understand the, the work of Jesus Christ and his presence with us in the church to, to overcome the power of evil. Jesus casts out demons right and left. And, and, and he, he wants to do this not just in Capernaum, but all over the place. And he still wants that. He wants to overcome evil, or he wants to apply his victory over evil to everyone in every place and every time. How does he do it? Well, through the church, through us. Through those who cooperate with grace. Through people who have been set free from slavery. There's nothing like a an ex-slave who puts himself or herself at the service of others. That's a powerful uh, witness and a, and a powerful instrument of God in the world. So, okay, <laughs> enough, maybe enough reflection on that. Uh, it's, it's, it's what, I, I, what I want to leave us with is that for all the problems and all the terrible epidemic of problems, human, human trafficking is only one of them, uh, for all the problems, we do not live in the despair that, that Job describes in the first reading. We don't, do not live without hope, as if we will never see happiness again. We already see happiness in the cross of Jesus Christ, in the victory of Jesus Christ. And it's that that makes it possible for us to get up in the morning, face the, the drudgery of human existence, and even go further, make ourselves a servant of others who are facing the drudgery of human existence. And that leads to a very fulfilling and happy way of life.